0: The following show is a rebroadcast of an earlier recording. that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results thanks for tuning in
1: how you doing mike hey you know justin it's just another day down here in southwest florida what can i tell you yeah our our weather up
2: here is is uh warming up but it's not uh I, i wouldn't call it warm today by any stretch all right so um Again, uh, let, let me. Uh, t- today we're going to be talking more taxes. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, you and I did a tax show that was, uh, you know, a little bit more specific to tax returns and tax documents. I think we're going to do a more of a big picture, uh, a more big picture tax show here. So, if anyone has any questions out there, you can give us a ring. Nine seven eight. 454-4980 is the number. We are live in the Merrimack Valley. Uh, also, if you want to shoot us an email, you can email us at questions at McNamara on money.com. All right. So it's your show today. I'll let you do most of the hosting duties. Uh, you know, I did I did want to clear up one thing from our show two weeks ago. We, work, we, we, we did get a caller, I'm sorry, an, an emailer. After our show, uh, and I had I had discussed the qualified uh, charitable distribution, and I had and I had discussed making larger one-time charitable contributions because of the way that the the new standard deduction works. Right, most people don't itemize their deductions, and so what what happened in, as a result of that was that uh, you know a lot of charitable contributions, right, for especially for folks making small dollar contributions, were no longer deductible. We did get an emailer that corrected me, uh, there is a, they did now add, they have subsequently added a $300 per year, uh, deduction for charitable contributions. Right. So it's not, you know, it's not, not talking about, you know, it's not large dollars particularly. And if you were used to giving, you know, uh, you know, five grand to your church or whatever, or whatever it is, it probably wouldn't help you all that much, but Uh, I did want to make that correction for our listeners from last show. We, we had, uh, we did have that wrong. I had forgotten about that 300 bucks. So $300 is, you know, up to $300 in charitable contribution is deductible for you. Uh, for all the, for all you out there who, uh, who heard me last week, tell you something different.
1: That was probably your first mistake in what? A couple years. Yeah. Like that. (laughs) Yeah. Don't get used (laughs) to this,
0: right? Yeah, no, yeah,
1: (laughs) no, we did. I, and I, I believe we
2: started off the, uh, we started off the show and just about every segment of the show saying that we're not accountants and uh, and you know we were doing a tax show to, to the best of our knowledge. So it uh, turns out we got one wrong. But yeah, thank you uh, out there to the listeners for correcting us.
1: Yeah. And while we're, uh, while we're on that subject, folks, uh, if you happen to be a, a tax preparer or a CPA listening to this show, uh, if you'd like to weigh in on some of the things we're going to chat about, we'd love to hear from you because uh, we're not tax professionals. We, we think we know what we need to know in regard to taxes and investments, but uh, because they keep changing things around there it does get a little confusing. So anyway, our, our phone number if you're a CPA and if you'd like to harass us or help us along <laughs> anywhere in the next two hours, our phone number is 978-454-4980. Okay. If you want right.
2: to take a break if you want to take a break from doing someone's return and give us a hard time, you know. Give, there you us, go. give us a ring.
1: There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so here's the deal. Okay. So um, taxes affect your investment return. How's that for a broad-based statement, my son? Because whether you know it or not, and you probably do, whatever you earn, you have to pay taxes on whatever you earn. Never mind inflation. We'll get to that in another show. But you have to pay taxes. So, So because taxes reduce the returns on your money, we figured, or at least I figured, it was good to have a show about the tax characteristics of investments. And if you knew the tax characteristics of investments. And more importantly, if you knew your own tax bracket and tax situation, well, then you should be able to choose wisely about uh, the investments that you may have given the circumstances. And uh, by the way, if you already have investments, maybe this show will you'll find out that maybe it's not in the best place from a tax point of view for your situation. But uh, we we can only go where we're going and see what happens from there. So I I thought I would uh, start off the show with some definitions. Okay. About tax stuff. uh, Um, Okay. And so I'll just do the list and then quickly, we'll just kind of run down the list. We have tax deferred investments. We have tax free investments. We have taxable investments. Mm -hmm. We have tax losses short and long. We have taxable gains short and long. We have tax efficient portfolios. We have tax deductions and we have tax credits in the investment world. Therefore, okay, I have a headache already, Okay, in terms of all these terms. So what we what I thought we'd do is just kind of start off with a quick general definition of these terms and then maybe cite an example or two from an investment point of view, just to kind of lay the framework, I guess, of where we're going from here. So, tax deferred—a tax deferred investment—is something where you don't pay taxes on what you earn until later. Okay, my son, how about an example or two of tax deferred investments?
2: So this is ju- yeah, just so just your your classic. IRA or 401k that is you know traditional so we're not talking about a Roth here you would have a tax you know tax deferred you put your money into your 401k uh, and you take a tax deduction right so you don't pay taxes on the money on the way in and then as it grows inside of your 401k as as all of us know or I hello I earned a thousand dollars in capital gains yep. and so we are now going to need to, uh, you know, you're going to owe some taxes on that money. So that's the tax deferred bucket, um, because you're not paying taxes along the way and you only pay taxes on the way out.
1: Yeah. And if you're going to do one of those tax deferred investments, you should probably be mindful of what your tax bracket is now and have a pretty good idea or a guess about what it's going to be later. Cause that's a material fact. Okay. That's number one, tax free investments, tax free investments mean that, you know, Pay no taxes on either your income or your gains. And I can only think of two examples of that. You want to take your guesses, my son? Tax-free.
2: Uh, Roth IRA? Yeah, that's one. You
1: got to Okay. I'm losing you a little bit on the audio, Justin. I hope that's not a Uh-oh. problem. Tax-free. Right. Yep. Uh,
2: I have a Roth IRA is tax-free. Okay. what else do you have five
1: twenty nine college savings plans if used for the right reasons and the interest and the interest on tax free municipal bonds. Okay, so tax-free sounds terrific, folks, but that also kind of depends on your tax bracket, and we'll get into that in a little while. If your tax bracket is 15%, tax-free doesn't sound as exciting as if your tax bracket is 37%, and we'll get into some numbers on that in a little while. Okay, taxable investments. I guess...
2: just quickly on municipal bonds, uh, yeah. I mean that, That's so the interest on municipal bonds would be tax-free, although you do have potential appreciation on them. So they're not they're not fully tax-free as an investment, although I guess potentially tax-free is the best way to. to I would put say that, that,
1: that we have to p- potential depreciation on tax-free bonds going forward, but that's another story. Okay, all right. Taxable investments. Okay, folks. Any money that's not inside of a tax hiding place of one way, shape, or form is taxable. Okay, uh, and in an example of a taxable investment would be that uh, you and or you and your spouse open up a regular old account uh, for investing, either an individual account or a joint account, and you go out and buy some investments uh, and stick them in that account. That's a taxable portfolio, and depending on the investments that you have, you could have taxes on your dividends. You could have from the stocks. You could have taxes on your interest or not from your bonds, and you could have short and long-term gains, hopefully, on the portfolio. So so anything that's not hiding from taxes, which are most individual, most joint, and most trust accounts would fit the general definition of taxable. And by the way, taxable is not a, a bad word for a variety of reasons, and we'll also get to that in a little while. Okay taxable gains. Okay. If you have an investment that grows in value for some strange reason or other, you have gains. Okay. And, you know, if your $10 mutual fund is now worth 15, okay, well, you have a built in $5 gain in that investment. Okay. You don't, pay a tax on a gain until you actually realize it. So in that simple example, if your $10 went to 15, okay, if you do nothing, that's a tax deferred so far, you're hiding it from taxes, but the moment that you sell it, you create a gain for tax purposes and you'll be taxed on the difference from what you bought it for and what you sold it for. That okay for a definition, my son? Absolutely. Yeah. By the, by the way, your video, I don't see you moving around, so I'm not sure what's you going know,
2: on. I think audio is working. I don't know if I, I hope I, one of our computers, I shut down all my, uh, all my extra, my extra windows in my computer. So I'm, I'm worried that someone is not getting a good fee, but I can hear you just fine. Can well, you hear that's me? All,
1: that's all that accounts. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I can't this show you an audio
2: medium. So let's,
1: well, I was going to give you the one finger, one minute to the break kind of thing, and I can't do that now. You're confusing me here, Mike. You know, what?
2: I have, I okay. have the. We'll go right. We'll go right at we'll ten right thirty. and I'll ha- right. I have a clock here up in front of me. So no all way. right,
1: all right. So folks, by the way, it's it's okay to have a taxable portfolio, but there are certain conditions that have to be satisfied, in our opinion, before you do. And we'll get to that in a little while as well. Okay. So by the way, when you have a gain a taxable gain that is realized, okay, it happened, okay, uh, they come in two, two different flavors, short-term gains and long-term gains. If you bought something and sold it for profit in less than a calendar year, very simple, okay, that's a short-term, not, not a calendar year, any a one year period of time, I apologize. If you buy a stock and sold it within a 12-month period of time, it's a short-term gain, and that's taxed at a higher rate basically your income tax rate then a long-term gain which is ta- a gain on something you hold more than a year that's taxed at capital gains rates and oh by the way just to make this even more confusing the amount of capital gains tax that you might pay depends on your existing tax bracket to begin with you know we need you know we, we need lots of employment for accountants and attorneys to keep the world complicated so this the tax code is one of those things for sure and Does don't it?
2: forget financial planners too uh, okay. yeah we, we have <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we, you know, we went over that two weeks ago. So everyone should be yeah. everyone should be very familiar yeah. with uh, capital gains tax rates and the yeah. uh, and the corresponding uh, income tax levels. Yep.
1: Okay. All right. So all right. So now we have tax efficient. Sounds like a very professional word, doesn't it? Sounds
2: uh-huh. like a this sounds this doesn't sound yeah. like it has as, as hard a definition, right? This is yeah, like, uh, yeah. like a little. Yeah. A little smushy,
1: kind, kind, kind of fuzzy, I would say, but, <laughs> but, but but that's OK. All right. So so if you have a portfolio that is subject to tax, a taxable portfolio, yep. well, OK, uh, depending on how much money you have in there. And, and we'll get to that as well in a little while. OK, uh, you know, you you there are some ways that you may be able to uh, reduce the legal amount of taxes that you have to pay on a portfolio. we'll get to that uh, and and it, it relates to the investments that you might purchase and a bunch of other things okay but sure it, it sounds like a great idea uh, and we'll touch on an example of a tax efficient portfolio here a little further on down the line. if you do have taxable investments it makes sense to try to have them as efficient as possible. But the the, the overriding thing I'm going to keep coming back to uh, for the, the balance of the show is that you need to pay attention to taxes and you need to know what your tax bracket and situation is. But there are times when you don't let the tax tail wag the dog of your strategy, if you know what I mean. You you, you, you don't want to focus just on the taxes. Sometimes it's a lot better to smile and pay taxes than to try to avoid them. So sometimes you can focus too much on taxes and not get as much of an investment return and because of what you do. And we'll, we'll come to some examples of that as well. So, tax it, efficient is good if it makes sense for you, I guess is the way I would say that. Jess, what's your thought?
2: Yeah, I mean, so you, you don't want to just, you don't, you don't want to do examples of that now. We're going to get it. we're going to do a deeper dive.
1: Oh, go ahead.
2: Give, give oh, us no, a second. Well, uh, I, I just wanted to say that, yeah, you know, just to, just to, I think, reiterate because you already did say it, but, you know, tax efficient is going to be different for different investors, right? Because of the way the tax system is set up, you don't, you know, uh, you know, you, if you're in a, if you're a lower income taxpayer, your version of tax, you know, you don't necessarily need as much tax efficiency in your portfolio. Whereas if you're in the highest tax bracket, uh, a tax efficient portfolio may mean different things to you, right? Because, so because of the, the way the income tax system is set up, um, you know, you, you need to, you can't just say, hey, here's a tax efficient portfolio. In gen- I mean, in in general, that could be correct, but you may have different um, different needs for different types of taxpayers. So it, it, yeah. kinda, it depends on it's very individualized yeah. when you talk about this.
1: Yeah. T- taxes are one of the considerations when you make an investment. Uh, most of the time, it shouldn't be the most important. It, it's as simple as that, folks. There are other variables that go in that equation and you got to kind of mix them up according to your f- financial situation and how you feel about things. That's all. Okay. All right. The last two. Okay. Tax deductible. Okay. Oh, I need, I need some tax deductions. We, we don't get that very much anymore because interest rates are so low, right? In terms of how that works. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> All right, so so folks, uh, let me start off with a, a bland statement. Uh, tax deductions are not something you should go after just because they're a tax deduction. Okay, uh, t- tax deductions are overrated. Uh, they, they they are they are a way to maybe help you afford something a little bit better, but. Just going shopping or trying to create tax deductions because you're in a high tax bracket. Yeah, I got, I got a problem with that. I, I'll give an example, uh, uh, th- and it has to do with uh, interest rates on uh, whether it's mortgages or home equity lines of credit, but interest rates. Okay, so and I'm going to make up some numbers, folks, um, that, that aren't aren't exactly correct these days for sure but they'll illustrate a point and it'll make the math easy (laughs) over the radio, okay? So uh, we're we're gonna pretend somebody's in the 33% tax bracket because it's a third, okay with that, my son? That's number sure. one. Okay. There isn't, yeah,
2: uh, uh, yeah, no such bracket, I don't think, but yes, I, we get I, it. we're I, doing examples here. I yeah.
1: understand it. Yep. This is generic, okay? Yep. And, and we're going to pretend, okay, that interest rates uh, on mortgages are 6%. They're not, folks. They're about three, but just bear with me. This is just an example. So let's see, okay, if, if you have a 6% interest rate uh, uh, on your home equity line of credit, I'll use that to, to make it easy from the math point of view. Okay. Well, let's see. If I if I borrowed a uh, hundred thousand dollars from my equity line of credit at six percent, okay, um, I get a a tax deduction of one third of that amount of the investment. You Okay. So far. Yep. Okay, so
2: uh, so just I don't mean to be the tax, you know, be the nitpicker here, but you, you know, it depends on what you use your home equity line of credit balance for, right? If you use it to uh, I think it's improved if it's improved your home or renovations, then it is tax deductible. It yep. has to be used for stuff like that. If you, you know, if you take it out and buy a car, it is technically not tax deductible any longer. Sorry. Yeah.
1: There, there is a place for nitpickers in the world. What a buzzkill.
2: Right? What a buzzkill. I, I, I get it. But anyway, oh, I know you're, you're just, not going to I know you're you're not going to
1: do these small detail stuff So somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you have trouble with the big picture once in a while. Yeah, so, well, hey, we, we, we kind of work out okay. Uh, so, folks, all right. So, so this is very simplistic. Geez, I think I'd, l- I'd like some tax deductions. I'm going to go borrow $100,000. That's a $33,000 tax deduction. Forget about whether you can use it or not. I'll, I'll make it 10000 to make it easy, Justin. You borrow $10,000. Yep. And all of a sudden, you have a $3,333 tax deduction. Holy cow now i can put that if i can on my tax return and i'm going to shrink my taxes by $333 and and my comment will be well well that's nice but it costs you $666 okay to pay for the loan okay right. which which is at 6% okay so if you're going to save a third of 6% 2% but it costs you 4% to, to do that how many of those did you want to buy, folks? Did you want to line up and do that? If you have to take out a mortgage on your home, OK, most people do. Uh, and the fact that there is uh, a tax deduction that goes along with that. Well, that's just a that makes it more affordable for you to buy that home or, or it makes the cost of that loan less per- perfectly legitimate. But if you didn't have a mortgage on your property, why on God's green earth would you go shopping for tax deductions? Because it still costs you two thirds if you're in the 33% tax bracket. Okay, same thing. Same thing for business owners. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the year. I got all my all these profits I'm just made. I gotta buy something that I can deduct 100% off my tax return. <laughs> and I, again, I don't know which one's which, but let's. I'm gonna spend ten thousand dollars on a, a new computer that I don't need, but I'll get a tax deduction for that sort of a thing. So so the, the, the same thing applies. Okay, if you needed that computer, fine. But if you really didn't need it, you just wanted to save money, why why would you do that sort of a thing? So so tax deductions generally just make it easier or, or less costly to borrow money if you needed to borrow money period. Okay. But if you don't have to borrow money, I can't think of a very good reason to create a tax deduction. By the way, if you're in the 20% tax bracket, it costs you four fifths to to do that. You know, you save 20% and you paid 80% to borrow the money. So tax deductions overrated. Okay. And Justin, I'm going to let you take the last one because I'm (laughs) going to surprise you here. So tax credits, boy, this is like the Holy grail. Okay. When it comes to taxes, you want to take a quick one at that?
2: Tax credit, well, a a tax credit is, you know, just as it sounds, it's you, you get, you know, you have money in a, in the case of a deduction, right? You would, you would take a deduction of say $10,000. And then you get to save whatever your tax rate is, right? So if you had a ten thousand dollar tax deduction and you're in that, and you're in our hypothetical thirty-three percent tax bracket, then you get to save three hundred and thirty dollars, right? Oh no, yeah. no, sorry, thirty-three hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you have a ten thousand dollar tax credit, you actually save ten thousand dollars, right? So if you if you're if you're getting a tax credit. you get the full amount and it's not going to be a percentage based on whatever your income tax rate is. Um, and the, you know, in the case of, you know, you know, full disclosure, we don't do a lot of tax. I know there are investments that offer tax credits. We don't, uh, we don't do many of them, but I know there are investments generally, if you're, you know, if you're other investments that where you put money into, uh, you know, maybe, maybe low income properties and they offer, and you know, there are tax credits offered for those types of investments. Uh, I'm, we're not experts on it because that's not something that we're involved in. And so I hope you're not asking for too much detail on it.
1: <laughs> uh, well, well, by the way, I purchased uh, some tax credit investments for clients a long time ago. Oh, I know. And, and when I, when I figured out the math, I said, you know, if the properties that you buy don't appreciate or do anything, okay, your, your return was like equal to the tax credits that you got. Okay. So, so, so by the way, the tax credit investments, generally an example of why you don't buy an investment just for the tax purposes. Okay. Uh, you know, if you, if you had a 5% tax credit, your return on that investment was 5% a year. Cause you did get your tax credits. By the way, in most of those cases, the properties were worthless or sold for less than you purchased. They weren't right. good investments. And that's a perfect example of, yeah, if you needed credits, fine, but don't expect to get anything more than that sort of a. Thing thing. There was a trade-off involved for getting those credits and it made it a relatively poor investment. And and, and we'll get to that theme. When do we get to the oil and gas tax shelters at the end of this show, my son here? I'm so excited. I can't stand it. Okay. But but the bottom line is tax credits are wonderful things. There's only a few cases. I think there's a child tax credit. I think there's uh, some college tax credits. So sure. there's a few of them sprinkled around. Earned income tax, tax credit. Yeah, earned income stuff like that. Okay, tax credits are gold if you can qualify for them. Uh, tax deductions. Okay, if you don't need them, don't take them. Is the short story from my point of view. All right. So, John, Justin, well, we have about 50 seconds left well, the, here. So I would just say think?
2: that you know tax credits are on the investment side. You know, we we should we should draw a line between tax credits for investments that. Yeah. You yeah. make yeah. and then tax credits that you qualify for some other reason like obviously yeah. you know uh, based on your income or based on you know uh, basically you know ha- having children and and what your income is so those are those are great and obviously if you qualify for them you know you want to know about it and, and make sure you get all the money that you're entitled to via the tax code um the the comments you made specific to tax credits were that you know there there certainly were and you know I assume still are investments that are sold with you know the that offer tax credits in them and it's tax credits are great, but it's right. It's only, it's only one piece of your return, right? If you get, if you buy an investment that has a, a, you know, a 5% tax credit on it, um, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Except if you're, if the rest of the investment uh, drops in value, then you can get less than that 5%. I'm sorry, I got to wrap it up. I
1: was trying to finish when when the investments drop in value, by the (laughs) way, time for a break. And we are back.
2: Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I could hear the intro music that time. And so I was able to come in at my standard, my standard time in in the, uh, in the song there. So, um,
1: <laughs> hey, by the way, give that a little bit more time. I like that song, you know, another four or five seconds before you start talking wouldn't be bad, you know, you That's think our- more. That's our signature theme. When people hear that on our commercials during the week and in the show, that they they recognize us. So don't don't diminish.
2: Well, maybe Cindy can just fade it out. Cindy, next time maybe (laughs) just fade it out. So I'll come in and then uh, you know give us a few more seconds. Uh, Okay, so we are back. Uh, Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, and we are talking taxes again today. Uh, and uh, let me just let me give out the uh, the call-in numbers. Um, if you want to give us a ring, uh, please don't hesitate. We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Telephone number is 978-454-4980, and if you want to shoot us an email, that works too. Uh, email is questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. All right, so you are... I think we we, we finished up our definitions and examples section of, of, uh, of the show here, and I think we're moving on to... To the next, the next big thing.
1: Yeah, it's probably the biggest decision uh, most fake folks listening to us make out there. And it's what what choice is the retirement plan? What choices do you have available to you? P- picking the appropriate retirement plan is probably <clears throat> the largest investment decision anybody listening to us will ever make. Sort of a thing. So you, you might want to get it right. Is where I'm going with this and. <clears throat> You know, we're talking about the practical side of taxes and tax decisions and investments. So, yes, yes, it is. Okay. So, along, I would
2: say, along with, uh, you know, real estate purchases, stuff like that. But, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, yeah.
1: Yep. How about it's one of the most one important the, yeah, decisions? Absolutely. All righty. Okay. And we could argue about how much real estate is going to grow for the rest of our lives as well, but we won't. All right. So, move, you're moving pessimistic right Feeling
2: like You're feeling a little you're pessimistic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> move, moving right along. <clears throat> so, folks, um, if you do not have some kind of retirement plan at your place of work available to you, well, then, then your choices are simple. Okay. You can either, by, by the way, these for folks who are not self-employed. Okay, we could spend four hours on the different empl- other kinds of things. But anyway, for most folks who don't have a retirement plan offered to them at work, they can either do a regular old IRA. I put the old in there, or they can do a Roth. IRA. Traditional,
2: yeah. Well, it's called now it's called <coughs> traditional, right? Because Roth you. has become so has become so uh, you know, so so ubiquitous that we now have to say Roth versus traditional.
1: I don't think i can spell that word justin but good choice ubiquitous okay anyway i don't even on. know
2: if it's the right word i think i think i used it correctly yeah i, I
1: think you did okay <laughs> uh, i have to check with your mother on that to be sure but whatever all right so folks okay uh the the traditional ira okay is a deduction okay off your taxes it, it was six thousand dollars is that the number now Yep. Justin? Okay. Yeah. So if you're under age 50 and you don't have a retirement plan offered to at work and you want to, I should say, and you need to have a retirement plan option, a traditional IRA is probably the place to start. And you can put up to $6,000 in there. And if you're over 50, they have a catch-up provision where you can put in $7,000. Okay. So the way a traditional IRA works, this is like Better than sliced bread. Okay, uh, it's like the eighth wonder of the world. If you put six thousand dollars into a traditional IRA and you qualify for one, your income just shrank by six thousand dollars, <throat> and you had a tax deduction, okay, uh, equal to six thousand dollars, and depending on your tax bracket, x amount of dollars you're saving taxes. Okay, okay, uh, and then the the deal is that not only Uh, You're investing 100 cent in dollars. That's the way I like to describe putting money in most retirement plans, because you didn't have any taxes taken out of there before it went to work for you, sort of a thing. So in a traditional IRA, okay, A, it's a deduction. This is a wonderful thing, it shrinks your income. And B, it's tax deferred, okay, for as long as you leave the money in there, and until you're forced to start taking some of it out at age 72, it's deferred, okay? But then whenever you hear the word deferred, folks, you wanna also know when you start taking it out, how is it taxed, okay? So in a, in a regular IRA, if you put in 6,000 and it grows to 10, when you start taking the money out, it's all taxed as regular income. By the way, if you put $6,000 into a stock and it grew to 10 and you didn't sell it until it was later, that was taxed as capital gains. So so in IRAs, the good news is it's as a tax deduction. The second good news is that all of the things that you earn inside of that IRA are deferred until you choose or have to take money. But understand that when the money comes out of there, all of it is taxed at regular income, okay? Not at capital gains rates, like if it was taxable money. Am I okay so far with that, my son? So far? Yeah. Okay, so most people should choose that, not all, but most. Okay, and and here's the here's the reason, and it's pretty simple, folks. Okay, um, the, you have to ask yourself two questions when you choose a retirement plan: What tax bracket am I in? And then the second question is what tax bracket might I be in when I retire? Now, I understand that nobody knows the future, but for a very large percentage of the people who are listening to this show right now, I'm pretty safe to say that whatever your tax bracket is now, it's probably going to be lower when you're retired. You know, when people retire, they generally earn less income from their investments and in Social Security than they were earning. So, from uh, th- this is pretty simple for most folks. Whatever your bracket is now, you can worry worry to death about changes in tax laws after you retire. But whatever it is now, it's probably going to be lower in retirement. And if that comes to pass, let's see. And I'm making up the tax brackets, folks, because we we don't want to get confused here. But if I'm in the 30% tax bracket now, and if I'm in the 10% tax bracket at retirement, let's see, I can save money, okay, by saving at 30%, and I only have to pay it at 10%. That's pretty good leverage and and an extremely good reason why most folks Listening to us should, if you just had to pick between one or the other, should choose the traditional IRA for those purposes, okay? Uh, for, for those of you who are saying, nah, now nah, when I retire, even though my income might be lower, the IRS is going to raise taxes on everybody and I'm going to be screwed unless I do the Roth IRA. I don't want to do this. My tax bracket's going to be higher. If you believe that, well, there are some people out there who will have the same tax bracket or higher higher tax bracket in retirement those people might have a different choice okay but for most people the answer is the traditional IRA anyway okay uh, you know in terms of the tax code okay uh, you know my thought is that if the IRS is going to change if the government is going to change the tax code which they do about every four or five years and if they're going to go out and raise more money okay, for whatever they need, like paying off their debts, they're not going to pick on retired (laughs) folks. They're not going to pick (laughs) on retired folks with low incomes. They're going to pick on middle and high income people. They're probably not going to pick on most folks who are retired. So anyway, please, oh, please, most people, okay, take a tax deduction at your current rate, And pay taxes at a lower one later makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, I'm going to take a breath on that, my son. Any comments? Yeah,
2: sure. And and, you know, just specific to you know, so we're generalizing, right? And and you know, for for context, what we do uh, on a very regular basis is we sit down with clients, and we, you know, a lot of a lot of our planning work happens to be with sort of pre-retirees and early retirees because that's when people are really serious about uh, you know about the rest of their lives. And part of that process for us is looking at tax, uh, is looking at taxes and their tax rate. And so, you know, we, we regularly will, we'll sit down with someone who is in their, you know, who's in their fifties and we project forward their tax rates and, and, you know, and we see this all the time, right. They're in, you know, they may be earning, uh, you know, a good income in the 24 or the 32% federal, you know, marginal federal tax bracket. And then it drops down to, the, you know, the 22 or the 12 once they retire. So, you know, we, we see this on a regular basis, you know, the key is it's, that's just a generalization in everyone's tax situation is, is potentially different year to year. So, you know, if you had to just pick one for the rest of your life, then you probably would want to, you know, you'd probably pick the deductible, but you know, the reality is, is that it's a year to year decision. If you're doing an IRA, you can fund it at the end of the year every year because I, I know, I know we started this with a, with an IRA example, Right. So you actually don't need to um, you don't need to make the decision with the IRA at the beginning of the year. You can make it at the end and you could say, well, hey, I'm in a low tax bracket this year. Maybe it's a Roth or I, I'm in a higher one. Maybe it's a, a traditional. Right. So, um, I, you know, I, I just I don't want people to come out of here and say, oh, I should do a traditional IRA because there are lots of folks, you know, maybe earlier in, the, in their career or who are having you know, a down year because of, you know, because of COVID or whatever it is that may be more appropriate for a Roth Um, but yeah, make sure, you know, your own situation and don't just take whatever the, whatever the guy on the radio said and said, Oh, this is what I I should do.
1: I thought I was pretty, pretty generic here, but thank you, my son. Your your overall
2: point is correct, right? (laughs) That, you know, most people. Oh, oh, thank you. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's move along here. So let's get to that Roth IRA. Oh my God. This is like the ninth wonder of the world. Roth IRAs. Okay. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Okay, so, so folks, here here's how a Roth IRA works. And by the way, anybody listening to us who doesn't have a retirement plan at work, okay, and who's choosing either a traditional or a Roth, a Roth IRA is a choice. There are some folks in situations where they make sense. For most, I'm being generic here, probably not. Okay, so why would you choose a Roth IRA? Uh, if you were pretty sure That your tax bracket now and your tax bracket in retirement are about the same, it doesn't matter. Okay, if you're pretty sure, okay, that your tax bracket in retirement is going to be higher than now, that's a rare event, folks, then you should be doing a Roth all the time. Okay. In in a Roth, you put after tax dollars in the Roth. If you if you put six thousand dollars in a Roth, Folks, you had to earn seven or eight thousand dollars to pay the taxes to net six thousand to put it in the Roth. Please understand that you put taxable money into a Roth that's already been taxed, and so I like to say you're not investing with a hundred cent dollar. If your tax bracket is thirty-three percent, there I go making that up again. You just uh, invested a sixty-seven cent dollar in a Roth IRA. Don't get confused about that. Okay, so there's after tax money that goes in there. You did not get a deduction. However, if you follow the rules, leave it alone for five years, uh, you know, be, be older than 59 and a half, whatever uh, is in there for earnings or growth or income or however you want to describe that, whatever is in there, you take it out, it's absolutely tax-free. So basically, you got tax-free growth on all of your investment interest and earnings for that entire time. And at the end, that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, There there are a few people whose tax brackets are about the same in retirement as existing, maybe they're candidates for Roth. I, I think some younger folks too. Justin just getting started out in life 20s and 30s. They might be in whatever tax bracket. But there's a pretty good chance that as their earnings grow, their tax brackets are going to get higher. But I can make a case for some young folks in their 20s and 30s who aren't making a ton of money and or are still in a lower tax bracket to do a Roth because the time and compounding on tax-free is a whole lot. You got a whole lot going for you if you're in your 20s and 30s and don't need the money for 40 years. You OK with that? Uh, no, no,
2: that's not how the, that's not how the math works. But yeah. If you're if you're a young you know generally younger folks are in uh, lower tax brackets right because you know most yep. people start out and you know and and, right. and and therefore the Roth is more appropriate yep um, it doesn't have anything to do with the with the compounding right because if you you know the Roth it's it, really it's what your tax bracket is now versus when you take it out and again there's so much there, like, there's so much complexity. Yeah. in this entire discussion, right? Because everyone's tax rate changes, uh, you know, p- potentially changes every year. Income tax rates can potentially change. You know, if, if you're in your 30s, you, you know, we may have the rates change 10 times before you retire, right? So there's, there's a ton of complexity that's involved in this. Not to mention the fact that where you put your money from a Roth versus traditional point of view is going to affect your tax rate in retirement, right? So for folks of your generation who grew up right. Who, or, you know, who may have been saving a bunch of money in their 401k before Roth was an option. You know, they, you know, we have some folks with some substantial IRA balances and that can, you know, that can affect your tax bracket, right. Cause if you take out 4% of your, of your $3 million IRA, when you retire, you're adding a substantial income figure to your taxes in that year. And it may jump you a bracket or two. So right, there's, there's a, there's a lot going on here. yeah, yep. um, Which is why it's, it's kind of the thing you want to revisit on a, on a, on a periodic basis, just for you, because it's, you know, there's no, no easy answers on it. Everything's very individualized. We're, we're talking generically because you have to on the radio, but uh, please look at your own situation and make sure that you're, you're doing the one that works best for you.
1: Yeah. By the way, my point was uh, tax free compounding is better than tax deferred compounding for some for some folks, but anyway, moving, moving along. So let, let's talk about a couple of the exceptions for doing a Roth, okay, uh, okay, okay. And, and you just named one of them, okay. And again, this is not a lot of people listening to the show percentage-wise, but if you happen to have a pretty good size 401k, yeah.
2: I'm sorry, just to, to be clear, we didn't did not mention, uh, but you know, both Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs have do have income limits, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, we we covered that last show, so we'll uh, yeah. we'll just assume that our that our taxpayers who are deciding are are eligible for these. Uh, for either one of these options,
1: yeah, and I'm not going there again. Okay. Anyway, so, so so the bottom line is, if the amount of money you know at age 72 they make you start taking money out of your IRA, and by the way, maybe when you retire you need to take a bunch out of your 401k to be okay. So if you got a big 401k, you may have a higher tax bracket in retirement, okay, than you do now. So so that's an entirely appropriate choice, maybe at a certain point to say, yeah, I'm just going to stop doing the tax Deductible tax deferred 401k. I'm going to do the Roth 401k because I don't want to make my 401k balance too big that it'll bring my tax bracket higher. Again, there are some folks listening to us for whom this is an issue, but for the bulk of the folks, probably not, given the circumstances. Okay, so I'm doing that myself. And a lot of folks we work with, we looked at what they what they had to take out of their 401k, and their tax brackets went up, and all of a sudden, well, maybe it's not a good idea to keep making that. That bigger sort of a thing so that that's a perfectly good choice for a Roth IRA or maybe a Roth 401k get to that in a moment
2: yep I, okay. I did just just as an aside right uh so the married filing jointly uh the 22 tax bracket starts at $80,000 in taxable income and it yep. ends at 171 I you know yeah. I, I recall sometime in the last month or so I had a discussion with somebody whose required minimum distribution would jump them over a full bracket right I mean yeah. you know, yeah. if, you, if you have a substantial enough 401k, uh, you know, you, if you're, you know, in this case, if your required minimum distribution is 90,000 plus, you could jump all the way from the 12% tax bracket to the 24, uh, just on the strength of your required distribution. So it's, I mean, it's not, it's not a small calculation if you are, you know, sort of (laughs) a higher income and or just a terrific saver
1: in your 401k. Yeah, and for all of those listening to us, it's a great reason to have a comprehensive <laughs> financial plan in right. place so you'd know that before you got a big surprise the first yep. or second year in retirement. Okay, anyway, what one other... Reason to maybe consider a Roth, and it's called a Roth conversion. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll give an example, and, and Justin can probably uh, embellish it, I'm sure. But oh, so we yeah. We, we, yeah, thank you. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we have some clients who maybe retire, I'm making this up, at age 64, uh, don't plan to collect Social Security or a pension till 66. And for some strange reason, they've saved enough money that they can live on the next two years without taking any income. Okay, Uh, and, and so in those two years, if those people are living on their cash or their investments, their tax bracket's just about zero. Okay, well, if you're gonna have a year where your taxes are gonna be really, really low or two, you could look into that big 401k or that big IRA and say, well, you know, maybe I maybe I can take some money out now while I'm in a low bracket, stick it into a Roth and beat beat some taxes out of the IRS later on. So that's called a Roth conversion, folks. And it's basically you can you know, if you have a year or two or three. We're gonna have very low taxes. Why not take some money out of your retirement plan at a low tax rate and stick it in the Roth if you didn't need it and go from there. Would you like to embellish that my son?
2: Oh, no, it's, I mean, that, that's something that we, you know, I, I think it's a you know the Roth conversion. If we go back even five or ten years in, in our business, it wasn't all that. I don't think we, it wasn't all that popular. But it's it's now I think now more and more CPAs and financial advisors are spending a bunch of time on that, especially given kind of the change, you sort of the changing nature of retirement and, and also uh, also kind of the updated thinking on when you take Social Security. Right. Uh, I think people like us have been uh, have been beating up the public about taking Social Security later, which you know which leaves you with less income. Uh, up until you're 70 and that gives you you know more opportunity to do things like a roth conversion and so I, I think it's i think it's a it's a growing something that's that we've seen much more of in the past five years and i think it's only going to continue uh, with the way that people are with the way that people are saving and with the way they're retiring
1: righty right? and the, the moment we figure out a better way the irs will correct that and clamp down even more. That's just kind I think of they, they
2: don't mind the Roth. Well, yeah, you're right. If you're paying lower rates, maybe they, they always like money, you know, as soon as they can get it. But, uh, if you're trading, uh, if you're trading a 24%, uh, RMD distribution for, for a bunch of 12s pre 72, maybe they don't, maybe they won't like that as much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They'll clamp down sooner or later. Anyway, moving along. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so those are, Traditional IRA and Roth choices, and now that we've kind of laid out that framework, we can talk about official retirement plans at your place of work. Okay, okay. And, and it shouldn't take too long because the, the kind of the math works the same way, but they're a little bit different. So, so uh, folks, if you do have a retirement plan through your place of work, it probably. Fall, it's probably one of three numbers, okay? <laughs> numbers and letters. Uh, it's probably a four hundred one k. If you're a corporate and business or something, it's probably a four hundred three b. If you're a school teacher or a college professor, and it's probably a four fifty seven. If you're a fireman, a policeman, or a public sector employee for like a city, state, or town. So four hundred one k, four hundred three b four five seven those are the three most common uh, okay again most retirement plan choices for folks not self-employed that's a whole other category we're not going there today but anyway okay so if you have a 401k you want to probably do that versus a traditional IRA you know if you're going to go the I'll take the tax deduction right now okay then a 401k a traditional 401k. OK, it is a great place to do that as opposed to on your own. And, and, and the reasons are pretty simple. Number one, in a 401k, you can probably do a lot more than the six thousand or seven thousand dollars that you could put into an IRA. So one reason to do a 401k versus a traditional IRA is you can put more in there. OK, uh, and then a second and really, really, really good reason to do a 401k uh, is that there are a lot of them that come with matches where they give you free money if you put a certain amount of money in there. And wh- wh- where are we? A three percent? What's the traditional average these days, Justin? What do you what do you For a match? Yeah, six percent, three percent. What is it?
2: Uh, you know what? Uh, well, well, first off, you know, just to be clear, um, you said you can put more, and the limit is nineteen thousand five hundred dollars for four hundred one k and four hundred three b for uh, if you're below fifty, and then there's a sixty five hundred dollar catch up for those over fifty. So just getting that out there. Yep. Um. You know, I I think the match on a four hundred one k is very company specific. The the safe harbor matches, which which allow uh, highly compensated employees to sort of get the full amount into the four oh into four hundred one k's are somewhere around the 3 or 4% range where uh, where you but, but that's a, that's a program that's put in place you know just so that higher compensated employees can you know can get their full match there's there's some rules that go around 401k and the, you know the 401k rules were written such that they they try to make sure that the plan is not only being used by highly compensated individuals. So they, they have to, you know, satisfy all these testing requirements. So I think if I had to give you an average, it would probably be in the three, 4% range, but you know, there's, there are plenty of 401ks that have no match. And then there are plenty that have, you know, you know, more substantial matches than that, where you may be getting, you know, six, 10, even 15%. Those are few and far between. Um, But I don't, you know, that's one that you need to check on your own 401k. You should, you should make no assumptions about what the, uh, what your 401k one K matches based on our discussion here. You you may be able to get mad at your, at your provider.
1: Yeah. If (laughs) if there isn't. by the way, so let's see. Did you and your sister raise our 401k matches without my knowledge a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> was, did. Was we I did. party to that? No, we didn't talk about that, Justin. Well, we anyway. accidentally <laughs> reduced them
2: because there was a tax credit. We added, we yeah, added yeah, our, yeah, or, yeah, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, folks, but by the way, folks, you know, an average, a, a typical match might be, hey, if you put in 6% of your salary, we'll give you 3%. Well, if your yep. salary is $100,000 and you put in $6,000 and they're going to give you $3,000, why, why would you do a traditional IRA if there was a match and free money in the 401k? So free money and, and bigger contributions. Okay. If you have a 401k at work, do it even if there's not a match, folks, because you can put in more and save faster. Okay. Uh, the yep. 403Bs and the 457s generally don't come with matches and the rules are generally the same and so, and the amounts are generally the same. So so 403Bs and 457s aren't usually as good as a 401k, but you would do them because you can put more than you could inside of a traditional IRA. That's all. Okay? Right,
2: many more 403Bs and 457s are are in conjunction with um employment employers, they have a, they have a pension system. Right. So yeah, uh, I, I think that's at least one of the reasons I think in, in right. any 403 B where I've ever seen a match, it's been, you know, in a, in a program that doesn't have a pension, right? Yep. Like your, your average teacher won't have, won't have a match. Is yep. there, you know, they have a pension and same with, you know, fire, stuff like that.
1: Yep. You see the time there, my son, right. We got about a minute. Do. Or so, yeah. Okay. So very uh-huh. quickly folks within the last few years, many folks out there listening to us might have a 401k roth option available to them okay and so whether you choose that versus the traditional 401k same rationale we talked about earlier you know, what's your tax bracket now what's your tax bracket later you know what do you think about this what do you think about that yada 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 okay but but that that's kind of the landscape pay for choosing a retirement plan, if you don't happen to be self-employed, we just didn't want to get into that. So, my son, you want to wrap this up in about fifteen or twenty seconds before we go here. What do you want to do?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Well, d- d- just to just to clarify our discussion earlier about you know what's better, quote unquote, uh, applies the same to the Roth four hundred one k and the traditional four hundred one k. And so, I don't think we we won't we won't need to rehash that whole uh discussion. Also the the limits there are no limits if you're in a 401k. Oh man, I'm getting I thought I was I was trying to hey. filibuster those last 15 seconds, Cindy. All right. <laughs> We're going to run. We will be right back.